Good morning, Outlook family. Sure is good to see everyone this morning. I, I really was blessed, and I, love, I loved all the songs that we sang, got to sing today, but that line where we're singing a prayer to God that says, make us more aware of your presence. I was thinking about what we talked about last week, about how prayer can be expanded to not just those 5, 10, 15 minutes that we try to squeeze in every morning, uh, perhaps, but instead also see prayer as becoming more aware of God's presence throughout the day. What a beautiful... I hope that you've been uh, uh, doing your homework this week from last week and maybe trying to find some moment throughout each day in which you just stop and acknowledge that God is right here with you and that you can talk to Him about anything. That was just a beautiful... It's a beautiful song and it's a beautiful prayer to pray. God, simply make me more aware of your presence. That's, that's a prayer I, I can't help but think. He's always eager to answer. Amen? Well, this morning, uh, as we continue our series, Back to Basics, I want to tell you about a study that involved 100,000 people over eight years. And it discovered one single habit that dramatically reduced destructive behavior in these tens of thousands of people. Anyone here have a destructive behavior or two that you might be wanting to lower? How about 62% less drunkenness? 59% less pornography use? 59% less sexual sin? 45% less gambling? And their internal lives were changed as well, reducing bitterness by 40%, destructive thoughts by 32%, isolation as well by 32%. Inability to forgive people reduced by 31%. Loneliness by 30%. And what was this amazing habit? It was engaging with the Bible four or more times a week. Now, I first learned of this study from our friends over at Taylor University and their Center for Scripture Engagement. And it's one that should get our attention. We're talking in this series about getting back to basics about putting first things first, about remembering what matters most. And today we're going to talk about the basics of opening our Bibles and opening ourselves to the words they contain. And we're going to answer the question, how can something so seemingly basic be also so powerful? As powerful as that study revealed. Consider these beautiful ancient words from Psalm 119 and from Psalm 1. I have hidden your word in my heart, that I might not sin against you. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. The unfolding of your words gives light, it gives understanding to the simple Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers. In other words, those who don't watch cable news, right? (laughs) But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. We're going to kind of look at three different things as we move throughout our message this morning. First, what is the law of the Lord? How does the Bible describe the Scriptures? How are we to meditate on it? And thirdly, 
We'll talk about some reasons we don't. These are all things we'll talk about kind of interspersed throughout our message this morning. And so let's begin with three ways that the Bible describes itself. First, let's look at the fact that the Bible is bread and the scriptures are food. In Matthew chapter 4, we uh, read about Jesus being tempted in the desert. As he begins his ministry, he spends 40 days fasting, consecrating himself, setting himself aside for the ministry that's laid out for him. And during that time, it says that the tempter came to him and said, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread, something he was capable of doing. He was a miracle worker. We know that. And Satan did as well. He also knew Jesus was hungry, right? But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people don't live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is just one of many places in which God's word is described to us as food. God's word is nourishment to our souls, just as I need food, right? On a daily basis. Anyone here like me and you you like food? Yeah, absolutely. I'm a big fan of food. I like to get it as often as I can. I'm too big of a fan. I don't, I'm still trying to lose my COVID-19. How about you? Okay, maybe it's just me. But, but, uh, but you, know, and what, you know what? I feel it when I haven't had enough food, right? Anyone just, your day gets busy, you skip breakfast, maybe you even start to skip lunch. You hit about mid-afternoon, you realize, whoa, I need something to eat. God's Word is just like that. But the way we might feel an absence of food Physically, God's Word nourishes us spiritually. Pastor and author Eugene Peterson puts it like this in his book called Eat This Book about Holy Scripture. He writes, Christians feed on Scripture. Holy Scripture nurtures the holy community as food nurtures the human body. Christians don't simply learn or study or use Scripture. We'll talk more about that in a moment. We assimilate it. We take it into our lives in such a way that it gets metabolized into acts of love, cold cups, cups of cold water, missions into all the world, healing and evangelism and justice in Jesus' name, hands raised in adoration of the Father, feet washed in company with the Son. His point is a is a great one as far as I'm concerned. That the Word of God is something we bring into ourselves. We, it metabolizes, as he puts it. It's part, it becomes part of who we are, and then it fuels what we do. Now that word meditate that we ran into a moment ago, in the original Hebrew language, it's, the word, it's a word that means to chew on. I want you to picture a cow chewing on its cud, right? It chews and then it chews, and then it chews some more. It gets every little bit of nourishment that it possibly can out of that cud. And that's exactly what the word meditate also means. It means to chew on, to soak in, to take time with. And our souls need, whether we realize it or not on some days, to soak in truth. A true word from God. Nothing's quite, nothing's quite as refreshing a true word of love. Nothing lands quite as beautifully as that. A true word of wisdom. Nothing helps and guides us in our decisions throughout the day quite like that. These are the words that we need. 
We've been talking about how important it is that we fuel our knowing, that we feed our knowing. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But to know spiritual truth is the bedrock, the soil, from which all our being blooms and then our doing emerges. But not, we're not talking about knowing in an academic sense, right? Like a spelling test. Remember those every Friday? Spelling test. If you were elementary school like I, when, when I was, that's how every Friday culminated with a spelling test. And I needed to know those words. Whether or not I remembered them next week was a different thing altogether, right? I'm not talking about that kind of knowing, but knowing as a lived experience. When we know something in our bones, that's the kind of knowing that we want to experience with God's Word. And not a knowing without doubting, but a knowing despite our doubts. See, I know when I've eaten, right? I know it. You don't have to tell me about it. I'm very aware of it. A full belly is a nice feeling. And so is a full and satisfied soul. So God's word is bread. It sticks to your ribs. And it's honey that's sweet on the tongue. It's appetizing. We read that in Psalm 119. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. So that's what God's word is. God's word is food for our souls. Now, how do we meditate on it in that way? Well, first, it's not by reading as little as possible to get the best grade possible, right? I don't know about you, but that's how I read most of the time in school. If reading was, uh, if school is where I learned to read and what I learned what reading was all about, then for most of my first 20 years plus of life, reading was about getting the grade that the reading necessitated. I read whatever was necessary and no more to get the best grade I could and then move on, right? We all do this, or if you're a student, you might do that, or you might remember doing that as a student. But when we come to the Bible, it's reading, but now we need to move it into its own category. We need to move beyond reading for information, right? I just need to know a bunch of stuff right here, to reading for transformation. I want to internalize these truths, metabolize them, as Peterson wrote. In other words, many times we need to move beyond Bible study, we're good at that as a church, right? Bible study. We know we're going to go to Bible study. It just came from Bible study, getting ready for Bible study. And there's nothing wrong with that, in fact. We're, uh, there is a place for Bible study, a very good place. But remember Jesus to the Pharisees, you study the Scriptures diligently, and yet you're missing the one they testify about, me. So we, we need to make sure that in all of our reading and even our study, we're not just focusing on knowing some facts, but knowing the person behind those facts, right? The one who those facts are ultimately about. Often our minds are malnourished. We don't read the Bible in that way. We might skim for information. Our hearts end up hungry. Our souls sometimes starving. And why, do, why doesn't that happen, maybe, in my life or in yours. Why don't we feed on God's Word? It sounds great, right? Here, right? Sunday morning, Bible's open, preacher talking. Sure, that sounds great. Makes total sense. But why don't we always do it? I have to imagine, for one thing, it might be because we're already stuffed with fast food, junk food, so to speak, for our minds and hearts. We're filled with pop psychology and self-help and entertainment and activity. Keeps us occupied, but never satisfied keeps us stuffed, but with nothing nourishing. 
just feeling full, often too full. How you doing? Oh, life's pretty full. But am I full? Is my soul full? God's word is what really I'm longing for, what I'm hungry for, what will fill me, just true satisfaction. So the first thing we see about God's word is it's bread, it's food, it's, it's nourishment for us. And the way that we can meditate on it is by not reading it for information, but reading it for transformation. Really letting it be digested, quite literally. Now, another way that the Bible describes itself is as a mirror. The Word is a mirror. It shows me who I am. We read this in James chapter 1. Anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says... It's like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently, let's say those two words together, looks intently. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, what a great description of God's word, the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, They will be blessed in what they do. So we've already said that we open God's word to know God, right? Not just to know some Bible trivia or some facts or to pass the test or to sound smart at Bible study, right? We open our Bibles so that we may know God better, to foster a relationship with God, to learn about Him and to get to know Him. But we also see that as we open our Bibles, we will then be taught about our that the Bible is like a mirror. We begin to see ourselves as God sees us. We also begin to see ourselves in all the ways that we're strong and in all the ways that we're weak, all the ways that we need help and healing, all the ways that God can use us. All those things are revealed if we will but look intently. Think about it. How differently do we look at a portrait of someone else than we look at a reflection of ourselves? How, often, how, how differently do we read an email from the Alumni Association than one from a loved one? We see God's Word differently when we read it for information than we read it for transformation. When we begin to see it as something written to us by someone who loves us, when we begin to see that it has something to teach us about ourselves, something vital that we need to know. Think about it like this. Practically, at least, no one knows textbook authors, right? Oh, you're reading that textbook for class. Who wrote that? Right? I have no clue, right? But when I'm reading something that's from someone I know, from someone I care about, when I'm reading a love letter, when I'm reading vital instruction for something that I need to do or to to grow in or to, to learn about, if I'm looking through a textbook at a map of a place that I'll never be compared to a map of a place where I am and maybe I'm a little lost at that, then I will begin to see all of it differently. The Bible is that map, a map of where I am today and I am a little lost every now and then. The Bible is that love letter from someone who knows me very, very well and loves me very, very much. The Bible is that vital instruction that I need to navigate life. And if we don't think we need to know what it is the Bible says, 
that only reveals that at least for the moment, we're not realizing reality. We don't get the stakes. I can't figure out how to navigate eternal life on my own. I need a map. I need a love letter. I need a guide. The Bible is exactly those things. And like I said earlier, we need to redefine what it means to know our Bibles. It's not just about information. And the one main difference that moves us, how do we meditate in this way? The one main difference that moves us from from a fairly unproductive uh, filling of our head to something that's really fruitful and productive, a filling of our heart, is to redefine what it means to know. It is reflection, a perfect word for the idea that the Bible is a mirror. We should reflect on what we're reading. Reflection based on relationship will lead to application. It will lead to obedience. It will realize this is something from someone, God, to me. Not just someone else or everyone generally, but something I am supposed to do something with. Something I should both chew on as food and reflect upon as a mirror that wants to show me things about myself. Here's a confession. I am not a fan of read the Bible in a year plans. Now, there's nothing wrong with them per se. However, if we begin to set up that the way we read the Bible is fast to get through it in a year so we can do it again. I've read the Bible X number of times. I spent most of my 20s doing read the Bible through a year plans. Um, and so, I, yeah, several times. Read the Bible cover to cover more, you know, many, many times, I suppose, if you were to add them up. But I have to admit, I was just talking to an outlooker about this uh, yesterday. Who, who, she herself had said, I, I've read the Bible cover to cover. But what I found I really like is when I slow down and just take a portion and chew on it. And that's what I would recommend far more. Because if we're reading the Bible for information, then you bet. Man, getting through five chapters a day, five days a week, or whatever it takes, that's one way to get it done. But if I want to read in such a way as to be transformed, then there's something to be said about reading slow and reading deeply, looking long in that mirror. Or I think about what my mom used to say when I was a kid, Robbie, chew your food, right? Remember that? You know, you're a kid, you're in a hurry, you want to get back outside to play and you're just wolfing it down, stop and chew your food. See, friends, the Bible and approaching the Bible is not about being a scholar or an expert, but a lover and a student. To love the Scriptures, to absorb them, to be a foodie when it comes to the goodness of those words. One Scripture internalized and lived earnestly is worth dozens memorized and exegeted perfectly. I approach the Bible because I know it knows me. It sees right through me. It reflects back to me things I need to know about myself. I see in Paul, or I'll see in Peter, or I'll see in Jonah, or I'll see in Isaiah, or I'll, I'll, I'll see in Timothy something about myself and begin to realize, oh, that's, that's a little bit of me there. I could learn from, from them. Could learn from how God interacts with them. I could learn from the lessons that they're being taught. The Bible knows me, so I need to get to know it. Now, I understand 
There's a lot going on here when you open the Bible, right? It's a library of books. It's not just one book, 66 books. Old Testament, New Testament, all kinds of genres, poetry, history, you name it, prophecy. But approach the Bible anyway. And start with the words of Jesus, if you have to start anywhere. Now, that little thought there about the complexity of the Bible is also a great reason why opening the Bible with others is so important. When we talk about how do I meditate on this, how do I look intently into this perfect law that gives freedom, one way we do it is together. Because the people around me, the brothers and sisters in Christ, that's what a church is, they know me too. The Bible knows me. I do it with people who know me. And now I'm in a situation where I can really begin to grow. Don't underestimate how much Bible you can get from worship services and small groups. You might think to yourself, man, I don't really sit down and read very much, and the idea of reading the Bible, or I would also recommend listening to it through uh, you know, audio versions of the Bible. You might think, well, I can do that some, but man, I'm just not really... This is why coming to church and getting involved in a group are also vital. Don't underestimate just how much Scripture, over time, you will absorb into your heart, mind, and life just by being in church and by being in a small group. That, too, is the way that you're eating God's Word with others together. And it is the primary way most people, for the first 1,500 years of Christianity, learn the Scriptures. So we can do it, too. Now, why don't we do what I'm talking about here? Why don't we see and look intently into God's Word? I said we're stuffed. We also skim. We're hurrying. We're glancing at the mirror. If you really want to know what you look like before you leave the house, don't just glance at the mirror, right? I need to, I need to stop for a second and see. There's this one place between these two teeth that I always end up getting some food, right? i got to look hard before I leave if I want to make sure I don't have something there. I don't just glance. And that's what we are doing probably as a society. Maybe you're suffering from it too. We don't take the time to really look intently in the mirror. Let me just ask this question. If the Bible were Netflix or Hulu or Discovery Plus or Apple Plus or Paramount Plus or Disney Plus, and for all that plus, sometimes I feel there's more subtraction than addition going on. If the Bible were any of those things, would I struggle to find the time to spend with it? The Bible is food. The Bible is a mirror. The Bible is a blade. And the scriptures are a scalpel. The Bible operates on me. In Hebrews chapter 4, we read these words, For the word of God is alive and powerful, it is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. The Word of God is alive and powerful, or living and active, one translation puts it. It cuts and it exposes. Now how does it do this? And how do we meditate on it in such a way? We've already said it teaches me about myself, but now we begin to see it does some surgery on me. But that's not going to happen if I don't stay close and I don't stay wide open. 
to what it is God wants to do in me. But I tell you what, if I've been feeding on God's Word like the good food that it is, and if I've been looking intently into it like the mirror that it is to show me what I need to know about myself, then it only will begin to flow naturally that I will allow God's Word to begin to convict me, teach me, guide me, correct me in all the ways that I need. But we don't always do that, do we? Why? Because we're fine. Really, we're fine. That's what we tell ourselves. Maybe that's what we tell others. But I have to tell you, many days I'm not fine. And I need more time with the mirror of God's Word. And when I spend it, it will show me how I need God's help. God's surgery. God's dividing and, and, and God's, God's slicing away. I was talking to an outlooker earlier this week who was talking about how God is filleting me filleting my flesh away from my spirit, right? My selfish desires, my angry responses. I'm just getting filleted, is the way he put it. But when we see the relevance of God's word, because we see our need for Jesus, then this becomes far more clear for us. So, what have we said so far? How do we meditate on God's word? We eat it, we absorb it, we look into it intently, and we get dangerously close to it, right? We let that double-edged sword, that scalpel, do its work. In other words, we engage in it. We read or we listen to God's Word in order to, and here's the formula that we keep coming back to in this series, so that we, we know new truth that informs us about who we are and then teaches us what to do. Scripture provides and gives me new truth, real truth to know, Scripture tells me who I really am, defining my being. Scripture shows me what to do. And when God's Word is near in my life, my actions end up never being too far, too far from God. There are things we learn in God's Word we simply can't learn anywhere else. Not the self-help section at Amazon or your local bookstore. Not just from uh, Dr. Phil on the afternoon television. Right? Is he still on? Yeah. Yeah, okay, I thought so. Yeah. There are things we learn here we can't learn anywhere else. Here's what I read and need to hear when I open my Bible. I read that God is real and the Creator, my Creator, is my friend. I read that I am loved and nothing can separate me from God's love or from God who really is love. I learn that all things work together and death is not the end of life. I'm reminded that I'm forgiven and I'm no longer a slave to sin. That there's no condemnation, that I'm not condemned and never need feel alone. I'm a work in progress, but I'm also a masterpiece designed by God, and that I am designed to make a difference in the world. When you open your Bible, you'll get to read those same things. These are things that I need to be reminded of. I need to know so I can be and then do. These are things worth knowing. So friends, dedicate yourself to consuming, to learning, to absorbing the words of God. I assure you, not a minute you spend on this will be wasted. Get in the Word and let it get into you. Learn it, then love it, then live it. Now I have to admit, when I knew I was going to preach about this subject, I thought, how am I going to preach yet another sermon reminding us just how healthy and essential and life-giving and healing and empowering and enlightening it is to read our Bibles. Doesn't that seem pretty obvious by now? 
But we all need reminded. I need reminded. And I can preach that because I know down to my toes just how true it is. I encourage you to grab one from the carts on your way out if you don't own your own easy-to-read copy of the Bible. Or ask, if you're with us online, ask us for one. We'll get it to you. I'll hand-deliver it if necessary. No problem. We'll get you a Bible. And before I close, I also want you to notice what I didn't do this morning. This was not a social media post for you to like or just save for later. Oh, that was good. Yeah, okay, fine. I'll come back to that some other time. I'm inviting you right now to begin a conversation about getting into God's Word. And I didn't give you five tips or three tricks or, or, or seven steps to how to get into God's Word. We take the personal path here at Outlook. We do things slowly. We listen to you, not just ask you to listen to us. And so if you'd like to start a conversation about where do I begin in the Bible? Here's my spiritual journey. Tell me, tell me more about what I might need to, where I might need to begin or what I might need to read first. I would love to talk to you about that. So would any of our pastors and elders. That's the kind of thing that I would love to do. We're here to, to do exactly that. Friends, is there anything more basic to our faith than the Scriptures? To reading our Bible? Anything more foundational than the idea of getting into the Scriptures and getting the Scriptures into us? No. But there's also nothing quite as powerful either. And so speaking of power... I invite you to take your bread and cup this morning. Last week, we heard Jesus talk about abiding, about dwelling in Him. In that same passage, He said these words, If you keep My commands, His words, His teaching, you will remain in My love, you will abide, just as I have kept My Father's commands and remain in His love. In other words, there is no loving Jesus without learning from Jesus. And every week when we come together and take the bread and the cup, we are declaring that we love Jesus. We thank Him for what He has done in love for us. And so when we do this and we hear words like these from Jesus, we realize that we should keep and not let go of Jesus' commands. That's His word. We'll be kept in His love that doesn't let us go. That's how we abide. We abide in His words. We're abiding in him. And he doesn't say this because his love is conditional. Like, hey, if you're not close enough for my words, right, you're out. No. He says this because this is where love is learned. You will abide in my love naturally because you are abiding in my words, the very words that teach you what love is and how to love. In these, in these holy scriptures, we read that this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Let's take the bread and thank him for that. No greater love, Jesus said, has anyone than to lay down their life for their friends. He has called us friends. Let's thank him for that as well. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word today. It's a gift to us. God, the fact that we can get to know you in this way, that we can read these words that you've, ins you, you've inspired to be written, that they may be heard and read even now, so many centuries later, all over the world. That's a miracle. That's a wonder, and it's a gift. We receive that gift. Lord, we want to take it in. We want to metabolize it. We want to chew on it like the good food that it is. We want to 
reflect on it like the mirror that it is. And we want to let it do its work in us like the blade, the scalpel, the sword that it is. So Lord, we submit to you. We leave ourselves open before you because we trust you and we love you. You're worthy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.